Well, good morning, everyone. We have a special treat today because we have a guest speaker who's going to be teaching us today. I'd like to introduce you to Rachel. And uh, Rachel, tell everybody how old you are and what grade you're in and that good stuff. Um, I am seven years old and I'm in first grade. That's right. So how many of you think you might be teaching first graders? Is there anybody here that might teach? So there's a lot of these students that might be first grade teachers. So um, we're going to have our Pachacucha presentations, but the first thing we're going to do is some quick app shares, and um, Rachel's going to help with that, and then we're going to do our Pachacuchas and then um, talk about GeoApps. That's our plan for today. So make sure that you've uh, checked in on our online attendance, and um, how do we do on our voice threads? Did we get those? pretty well finished. I'm going to put a quiz into uh, Moodle and I'll link it and the message on the blog and send everybody a text message update that'll basically just ask for your links. So it'll ask you the link to your uh, post where you have your voice thread and it'll ask you also for a voice thread that you've commented on. Hopefully you've been able to comment on your partners. Some partners may not have completed it and if not then you can comment on somebody else's. You'll have all week to get that submitted as far as the link. I hope your voice thread's done and um, I have not uh, graded anybody's tests yet. I'm going to try to get those done this week. I did get your Pechacuchas if last week you went. I got your grades in and your feedback. Make sure you click on the, the grade feedback because there's an Excel file that I linked that has my feedback highlighted in green, and then everybody else's name is deleted, but you can see all of their feedback. So that should be available for you today. For the, are you talking about for VoiceThread or? Right. Yep. And so you can just put the, the. In some cases, some people may have commented on somebody else's, not their blog buddy partner. And so it'll just have two, two, a question for two links. One will be to your post where you should have your voice thread. And how many of you have had success embedding a video or a voice thread on some, some kind of post? Of those who've been successful, how many of you have used Firefox? Okay. Has anybody used Internet Explorer and gotten it to work successfully? Use Safari. Okay. I think that Internet Explorer is my theory is doing something strange when we embed on our blog and it shows it on the preview, but then you click publish and then it's not there. So if you're having trouble with it showing up, try a different browser. Try using Firefox or you can use um, Safari and let's see and then let me know next week if, if that's more successful because it is working with some and I've gotten it to work myself when I've used Firefox, so that's why I think that may have something to do with it. Woohoo! That is great. And I don't know why that is. Browsers should be equal. They should just all do the same thing. But here's an example of where there's a difference. So it's nice to be able to have a different option. Most of the things that we do are hopefully going to work the same whatever web browser that you choose or that you have. On their voice thread, yeah. I want you to comment on their voice thread. So you just have some experience doing that and get some feedback and comments, you know, on yours as well. So, and feel free to comment on other people's too, right? It's not just, uh, especially if you find a topic that you're interested in or whatever. I want you to get experience, make, you know, creating with VoiceThread, seeing how the commenting works, and um, possibly seeing how the moderation works. I, I don't know, did I say on there to do the moderation, to turn it on? That's the best thing to do for the classroom because the last thing you want is some parent to get angry 
because there was some nasty message, you know, that somebody left or my child's feelings are hurt. Those things happen, of course. But if you moderate the comments, you get to see them before they get published to the world. And that's a nice way to try and prevent that kind of thing from happening. So, Any other questions about uh, VoiceThread or we don't meet Wednesday. We have an online assignment. Did anybody tune in to the K-12 online um, live event Thursday? I didn't expect you might, but uh, the K-12 online conference, we had about 70 people worldwide that tuned in. Uh, Dean Shresky was in Moose Jaw, where he, where he lives. And today, the conference actually began officially. So we've got four presentations that have published today. Um, I actually listened to three of these as audio podcasts when I was driving down today from Oklahoma City. Um, one of them is in Spanish, and you'll probably, uh, well, and I'm not going to assign this one, but this, this is a very cool demonstration of accessibility because it is 100% uh, subtitled in English and in Spanish. So I can choose English subtitles. I can make this full screen. We won't play this whole thing, but I'll just play a little bit of this. Hola, soy Dolores, la editora del blog sobre tecnología y educación que veis en pantalla y uno de los primeros en España sobre su temática. Y de lo que vamos a hablar hoy es de, de la educación 2.0 o un poco de todos de todas aquellas posibilidades de todo. You can see her presentation is actually 55 minutes long. This is amazing. So she is a professor. She does speak English, but she wants to present in Spanish. She lives in Barcelona, Spain. So volunteers have trans, uh, transcribed her entire presentation and made that available. And the website where this is taking place is called DotSub. And um, DotSub is free for anyone to use. And there's all kinds of videos that, that are being translated. But people actually are able to work together to team up to do the translation. And so somebody can work on the first 15 minutes or whatever, and then somebody else comes along and continues to work. So it works in tandem. It's a very, very cool um, website and technology. And um, in the right side, sidebar of the K-12 online conference, you can see the schedule. And um, basically, there's four presentations published every day for the next uh, two weeks. So my strand that I help organize is the Student Voices strand. And um, we'll probably be taking a look at least a couple of the presentations that will be published here in the next uh, couple weeks. But these will be linked according to that schedule. And um, they just go live on the conference blog each morning at 7 a.m. Central Time. So um, there will be live events this Sunday. There will be a Spanish event, but then there's also an English event that will happen. And it's at, I think, 6 p.m. Um, Central Time on, on this Sunday. So just to let you know. All right, Rachel, are you ready to tell us a little bit? Okay, so Rachel is um, going to tell us a little bit about a program that she's done called AudioBoo, but first a little bit about the zebra print. So tell everybody a little bit about what the zebra print is and what, what's up with this. Things. You shoot things with guns? Dad, no. <laughs> what do you What do you shoot? Um, we shoot um little shows of us doing things like chic, um, like on one of our um really good ones, there um shows of some books, and I, well, 
so really I'm good with it and this is one of them with the zoo when I'm at the zoo and with the shark teeth and some of the fishes. Okay, we'll take a look at this one really quick. Uh, Rachel, if you want to go over to the lights, you can turn the lights off.
shadows have been more organized where you guys have shown things. Do you remember uh, what you what you were teaching about? I won't play it, but do you remember what you were teaching? What? Why, why were you not exactly sure you wanted to publish that first show? Because we talked about that. It's okay. You can tell them. They're, they are all interested in learning. It's kind of bad because, like, at the first time, it was kind of bad because we had bad ideas to do it. And also... Since we did that, we changed our room up and we did different things, but we're not doing the main thing about it. It was like mainly about just going on trips. Like on one time, we on Saturday we went to Washington D.C. for um some because we didn't do very lectures like we would. But we gotta publish that one. That one's yeah. still missing. We gotta publish it. But you talked about just doing trips, but now you're doing shows at home and also when you go places. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they were feeling like they had made mistakes and it wasn't as professional and as polished as it could be, but I encouraged them to go ahead and publish it and share it because, you know, that they're going to learn from that and other people are going to learn from that too. And they're also going to be able to see how far they've come. Because that's something you notice too as you practice anything, we get more fluent and we get more capable. And when you think about a portfolio of work, obviously this is something that they're doing for fun. It's not just, you know, required by school. But when we create portfolios of student work, whether that's a folder of paper or that's something electronic, we want to reflect growth over time. So it's important to know kind of where you are when you start. Because then you can see how large you grow. So, yes. idea that, um, it was my sister, she came up with the idea and to do the whole web show and the site, so actually she created it. Did you talk to her about the blueprint or did she just come up with that idea? Well, we were like thinking about it, like just cool ideas, and then she just said, hey, maybe we can get dad to like get us like a real web show and a website. So she came up with the idea when we were talking about it. Right. Um, she is 10. He's 10 years old. And to give you an idea of how much it costs to have a website like this, basically it's about $80 a year. You might be able to do that cheaper in some places. That gives us actually more storage and stuff like that that you need. But that's, you know, mom, like you think, what? Uh, so that's, that's what I, where I Not really. Um, it's, you know, you 
television is watching the shows which other teams have, you know, the future of TV for teams is, is watching what other teams create. And so um, it's going to be exciting this Christmas. Google TV is coming out, and they partner with Sony, and they're selling it with YouTube in the television. Um, Roku, you know, a $60 box that you can get that streams Netflix. And that's probably the cheapest way to get into a web-based internet stream uh, device. Apple TV is here, and that's $100. So it's, it's very exciting what's happening. And, um, you know, there's issues to navigate here as far as parent permission, safety, um, things like that. And those are good, good things for us to talk about. But Rachel's going to show us one other thing, and she's going to show us audio boo. And um, I'll give her the... Um, Thrown here, and what I want to tell you is, Audioboot is a website. I've linked it from our handout that you don't have to use it as an app. It used to just be an app-based uh, program. You had to have an iPhone or an Android-based phone. The app is free. It's free to record. Um, let me play an example of one. Can I do your third, your two? Can you lost your two? All right, so. This is the excitement of losing our first tooth ever. Hi, I'm Rachel, and I lost my third tooth today after supper. But I was doing casting here with me and my grandparents. And the tooth fairy will come visit me while I'm here. And then I have lost three teeth, too. Wow, that's a lot. I can't wait
tell a little bit about Antlers Forever and why you like Can that book? Yeah, and just do that as an audio booth. Well, we have Antlers Forever. It's one of our books that we read. And it's the book. But I'm saying, when you record it, I mean, you can, like, record it. Okay.
on the thing that's green and that has the plus sign. Go for it. So you click on that. And now we're back here. Okay. Now click on the uploads where the little red um, one is at the bottom. Oh. And they can see the progress. And you do the upload. Why? I like antlers forever. So this is actually uploading to the internet right now. I think that Audio Boo is a uh, company based out of the UK, so I don't know if their server is, is here in the United States. Depending upon how long your audio is, how fast your connection is, we're not on the local Wi-Fi here. I'm on my 3G connection uh, to the AT&T towers, so it's going to take a little bit while. So we might just leave that, and then um, we can come back, and we'll be able to listen to that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Who has a question or a comment for Rachel about audio boost? Good question. You have a couple choices. So this is a recording that she just did uh, in my office before we were coming. Now, think about safety here too, right? If you have geotagging turned on, which we do today, that shows the exact location of where you are. So if your child is doing this at their house, they probably don't want to have that on. If you're doing it at school, that's probably fine. If you're at the zoo, but be aware of that, and that's just an on-off uh, feature that you, can, that you turn on and off there. Audioboo provides you with embed code. So just like you've been seeing on other sites, we can copy and paste this and put it in another location. So that's what I actually did with our basic learning blog, Learning Science. And so when you go to Learning Science, it has um, a link that will show us the Audioboo. So you can do a couple different things. You can, like we've done before, copy a link, and you can email that to parents or put that on your classroom website. You um, could also use the embed code, and that is just going to have this part right here. Um, and there's an example. So there's the audio boom from you and Right. So we 
we have, there's a couple ways. We have set it up where this is supposed to do a blog and not to leave comments. We did this with WordPress, so you can put comments here. YouTube also has commenting. You've got to be careful with that, and what I recommend is that you always turn on comment moderation, and that's something that you, I, I, I think I just learned you can do that on all videos, so it's by default moderation is turned on. Um, if you've been on YouTube much and looked at many popular videos or even not popular videos, there can be profanity and just rudeness and that kind of thing. So it's just a really good idea to moderate the comments. But yes, people can leave comments there. The other thing that's kind of neat is we put something called a cluster map, which is free to put on your website. You can I'll, I'll teach you how to do this when we do websites later in the semester. Uh, so we can actually see the IP, by IP address. Somebody over here in either southern France or eastern Spain has pulled this up. People in this place in the United States. Which one is that? Um, is that in Hawaii? It's Hawaii. Very good. And do you know, remember what country this is? I'll give you a hint. It's Australia. Let's try over here beside Australia. Do you remember? Where I was in high school as an exchange student. That's New Zealand. So, isn't that just awesome to be able to take that kind of feedback? If you put that on your website, your kids have that feedback that's saying, oh my gosh, you know, and maybe, the thing is, not everybody comments. So, even if they don't comment, but they just visit, you still know that somebody from that country and that place visited your site. And that community gets really excited and aware of this idea of a global audience and that they're not just sharing this with a classroom.
practice, if all else fails, you know, you can type the text comment too. And you can even copy the same one that you put on the blog. You know, you can put it in the voice. Right, yeah. When you go to find the voice, you can have to register you as a commenter. I don't think VoiceThread lets you leave comments unless you log in. Um, I still I, I, get anonymous comments from people who are like you know, but it, they don't have their account. Any other questions before we start? Rachel, do you know about Pecha Cooches? No. <laughs> so who who can tell a seven year old uh, explain what a Pecha Cooch is going to be? Anybody volunteer to let her know? Like the kids liked it. Trip. 
Explain to your kids, sim simply as you can, that some adults are bad and want to hurt children and that they should never go or get into a car with a stranger. Be sure to show children how to cross the street properly. Always look both ways, and older children should take the hand of a younger child when they cross. Light-producing or reflective devices such as flashlights, glow sticks, reflective tape, flashy Halloween decorations, and other similar products will make you more noticeable. All cell phones, cell phones are a great way to stay in contact. Have your kids check in at certain times. This allows them the ability to call if they're going to be later than expected. Streets are literally crawling with all sorts of witches and ghosts and other costume people. This makes for an added responsibility for drivers to make sure that they are safer than normal. Don't use a cell phone or other electronic devices while driving on Halloween night. You shouldn't do this anyway. Accidents jump dramatically since texting and cell phones has risen. Drive below the posted speed limit in residential areas during trick-or-treating hours. This will allow you time to break if you see a child dart in front of you. Keep punch and dry eyes separate. Dry eyes is not for ingestion and can cause serious damage to internal organs if swallowed. Just love dry eyes. This is my work signing page. You can find all the information I provided you with today um, at these different websites. The one at the top is got all the information and a bunch more. And then allrecipes.com has a ton of recipes for um, Halloween delightful treats. And then all of these are my pictures. Thank you. Did you make the ones that had clip art inside them? Yes. How did you do that? I just searched for clip art under in the PowerPoint. I love playing with PowerPoint. Oh, so. it's overlaid on the PowerPoint. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's just over. I found the picture itself on CompBot, and then I went and found the picture clip art and edited the clip art so it would be clear. It's just to make it more interesting for my kids. <laughs> and the, at the bottom of that website is the actual website to find sex offenders at the bottom of that one too if y'all don't know where that is.
My name's Winona Walker, and I'm doing fun animal facts. Um, when I was a little kid, I always loved to go to the zoo. It's one of my favorite places to go. Still is now, because I love animals. And two of my favorite are giraffe and elephants, which you'll see later. But. Okay, um, this is American crocodile. It's an endangered species in nearly all parts of North America, Central America, and South America. The habitat of choice is fresh or brackish water of river estuaries, coastal lagoons, and mangrove swamps. They're among the largest of world crocodiles where males can be up to 20 feet long. They eat mainly, okay. This is a tortoise. Um, they live mostly on land, but some live in, the, in freshwater. Some are herbivores and eat only plants, while others are omnivores and eat plants, fruit, and small prey. Their legs are short and stumpy, and they have claws on their feet that help them move around and dig in the ground. So. Uh, this is a chameleon. They change colors in response to stress, and it's also like a camouflage for them. It helps them communicate with other um, chameleons and stay away from predators or to catch prey. Uh, they use their tongue, which is about 20 inches long sometimes, to ambush their prey. Uh, this is a peacock. There are large colorful pheasants known for their tails. Um, it's used in mating rituals. Females are said to choose their mates by, according to size, color, and quality of the feathers on the tail. And the term peacock is used to refer to birds of both sexes. Technically, only a male peacock is known as a peacock, and females are peahens. Um, parrots have curved beaks and are called zygodactyls, which means they have four toes on each foot. Two pointing forward, two projecting backwards. They eat fruit, flowers, buds, nuts, seeds, and some small creatures like insects. And they're found in warm climates. And the flamingos, they live in big, shallow lakes, lagoons, mangrove swamps, tidal flats, and on sandy islands. Adult flamingos range from 3.3 feet to 4.6 feet tall and weigh up to 3.3 pounds to 9 pounds. They eat with their heads upside down underwater. That way they can suck the water and food. And these are tigers, which are the largest of all wild cats and are renowned for their power and strength. They live alone and aggressively scent marked large ter territory sorry, to keep their rivals away. Um, no two tigers have the same stripes, and it's a way to help them camouflage when they hunt. These are lions, and they have excellent scent and are primarily nocturnal, so they stay out mostly at night. Their vision is six times greater than humans, and they're the only cats to exhibit a distinction between males and females, and they live in large families known as prides. These are jaguars. Um, usually cats avoid waters, but jaguars don't. They actually love it and are very good swimmers. Uh, they also climb trees to ambush their prey. Um, most are tan or orange with black spots, which are known as rosettas, because they actually look like little roses, if you look closely. These are meerkats. Groups of them are called mobs, gangs, or clans. Their average lifespan is 12 to 14 years. Um, they work together in numbers, eat insects, lizards, birds, and fruit, and when they hunt, they make purring noises to communicate. And these are lemurs. Um, they are primates and are said to be the first to evolve. There are 32 different kinds of lemurs. Um, they have reflective layers over their retinas, 
which causes their eyes to shine in the night, and they carry their babies in their mouths until they grow old enough to hang on to their mother's fur. And this is a panda bear. It lives in broadleaf and coniferous forests. Their woolly coat helps keep them cool in the forest. And males weigh up to 250 pounds, and females usually only reach about 220 pounds. Scientists really don't know why they have that color of fur, but they think it's some sort of camouflage. And gorillas are primarily herbivores that eat leaves, stems of herbs, shrubs, and vines. Female gorillas reach maturity at seven or eight years, but don't normally breed until they're about 10 years old, while males um, don't breed until they're about 15 years old. And they can live up to 35 years in the wild and 54 in the zoo. This is an orangutan, and orangutan means the per person of the forest. They have enormous arm stands. Males can stretch their arms up to seven feet long, and they're normally pretty solitary compared to other apes. Mothers and their babies share a very strong bond, though, and the babies will stay with their moms up to six to seven years. Chimpanzees are the closest living relatives to humans. They share more than 98% of our genetic blueprint. They normally walk on all fours that can stand and walk upright. They're one of the few species or animal species that uses tools when they eat and drink. So. And this is a hippo, which means the river horse. It spends about 16 hours a day submerged in rivers and lakes to keep their bodies cool and can hold its breath up to five minutes underwater. Um, when basking on the shoreline, they secrete a red, oily substance that is a skin moisture and some blocks that provides protection against germs. Some people think this, that they bleed bread, or blood, which isn't true. This is a zebra. Um, their distinctive coat um, makes it to where no two zebras have the same stripes. They spend time in herds and graze together and even groom one another. They tend to live in small family groups consisting of a male, several females, and their young. These are elephants, which is one of my favorites. Their ears radiate heat to help keep them cool. They are fond of water and enjoy showering by sucking up water into their trunks and spraying it all over themselves. Their trunk is actually a nose, um, which is used for smelling, breathing, trumpeting, drinking, and grabbing things. And it contains 100,000 different muscles. This is a giraffe. Um, they're the world's tallest mammals. Their feet alone are left three feet tall and help them run as fast as 30 miles an hour over short distances and 10 miles over long distances. Females stand up straight to give birth, so their baby sometimes falls five feet to the ground. But they can still, um, sorry, <laughs> they can stand in half an hour and run in 10 hours after birth. So, and that was my work side. <laughs> I've always just gone to the Fort Worth Zoo. That's my favorite one because I think it has the best animals there. But I've also been to the Dallas Zoo and Houston Zoo when I was younger. But I usually go to the Fort Worth Zoo. Any other Disneyland, I'm Nicole Wall. Um, this is a sign right when you enter the park and it says, Here you leave today and enter the world of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy. 
I love that. That was really cute. And I just kind of, I'm a big fan of Disney and everything that he's done. Um, this is associated with Walt Disney. He had the biggest dream to build a place where anyone could come with families and friends to spend time together. And it's in the grand opening speech, he said, to all who come to this happy place, welcome, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here, age relives fond memories of the past, and here, youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. Disneyland is dedicated to the ideals, dreams, and hard facts that have created America with hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. Um, this is the entrance of the park. It, it's that part, like the train goes all the way around, and you can see the entire thing. Um, I've been there multiple, multiple times. It's one of my favorite places. Um, it's just a place that it's okay to still be a kid and you don't get judged for it. Um, this is a famous statue right in the middle of the park. Um, I actually took this picture um, of Walt and um, Mickey. And um, <coughs> kind of represents like Disney taking the creations of all his movies and films and like bringing them into life and as a park and for everybody. To see. Um, that's Mickey Mouse. Um, he's the beginning of it all. When he was first created, his name was actually Mortimer Mouse, and his wife, Walt's wife, told him, he was like, oh, that name's kind of lame, I'm just changing. So they changed it, and it's really the beginning of it all without, like, his creation. You know, the little steamboat, Mickey, like, that's where it all became, like, started. Um, this is Mickey many, you know, many uh, famous icons that we've all grown up with, you know, Goofy and Pluto, all those kind of things, and it's okay to still just, I think it's fun to still watch <laughs> I like them. Anyway, um, I talked to that. I feel like um, I chose this picture. This is a picture of Allison and the Mad Hatter because you can still be silly and goofy and not, you know, um, be justified. I guess, and it's okay that everybody has their quirks and silliness about them. And Disneyland, going there, you're allowed to be fun and crazy and. Just be yourself, I guess. And this is Sleeping Beauty's Castle. It's right behind where that statue was at the beginning. Um, it's the entrance to Fantasyland. I've been, the couple times I've been there, there's been so many weddings that have happened, and they're probably the most beautiful weddings I've ever seen. Because, you know, people walk by them. I think it's kind of weird people can just see a wedding, but you just see them, and they're really pretty <coughs> and different. Um, this is the Dumbo Ride, which is also in Fantasyland. Um, I've rode it a million times. I have a four-year-old sister. You'll see a couple pictures of her. She always made me ride it with her. Um, I chose this because, you know, the movie Dumbo, you always, um, you know, you want to chase James to learn how to fly. And I feel like that's a really good theme that Disney kind of presents to us and that we need to remember. And um, this is the Astro Orbiter. It's right in the beginning of the Tomorrowland, which Tomorrowland has a lot of different rides and stuff that deal with the future. And Disney had a zoom to kind of break through a lot of that. There's a ride back in the day my parents were always telling me about that, like, you would walk in and, like, you can go and see all the different, like, technology things that were going on at the time. That was back in, like, the 80s, so that's, like, what we're dealing with now. But, um, this is a picture of the tomorrow. I took this picture as well. It was during Christmas. So that's, like, the Christmas overlay. But it's one of my favorite rides because it talks, like, I don't know if y'all have ever seen it, but you go in and you have, like, um, all the different cultures and for this one, it was like during Christmas, was how the different Christmases were celebrated and stuff like that. And it's really cool. The song gets a little annoying, but it's fun. Um, this is just a picture of Peter Pan. Um, like I said earlier, like Disney instilled a lot of like themes and ideas in us. I feel like since we were little, and I like Peter Pan because it kind of taught us it's okay to never really grow up. You can still have fun and not have to worry about like the serious things that life bogs down on us sometimes. Um, 
and this is a Chica ride. Um, I like this ride. It kind of, it's one of those ones you know you spin the thing and you get really sick. But I rode it a lot, so my sister would always be like, let's go on this one, let's go on that one. So it's just really fun. It's right, and it's also in Fantasyland. Most of the majority of Disneyland, like the things that you hear of, are in Fantasyland. So it's like the different This is Inside Pirates. I loved Pirates as well. Um, this is actually, they changed a lot of it after the movie was put out, which I thought was kind of weird that they did that, but it's kind of cool because it kind of goes along with it. But um, I like that Disney can do things, and it just, uh, I don't know, it applies to so many different things. I don't know. Anyway, this is another picture of the movie Castle. I also took this one. Um, just a big overview. Um, the park is huge. There's so many different things. Like there's right to the left of that's like Adventureland. That's where like the Tiki Hut is. And there's the Aladdin ride at Indiana Jones and stuff like that. That's me and my grandma, my mom, and my little sister outside the um, train. I'm really close to my family and I love my little sister more than anything in the world. Um, we're 16 years apart and so it's kind of fun that I can still go and do these things with her. Um, she's crazy, but I love her. She really enjoys Disneyland. Like, we're going again in December. That's me and Ariel. <laughs> I just put this in here because I wanted to show y'all, you know, I, I was like 19 when this picture was taken, and I still take pictures of Disney princesses, and I, it's fun, I guess. <laughs> I liked it. <coughs> That's my sister and Cinderella. Um, Cinderella is my all-time favorite. Um, I like her the best when I was little one. My sister's dressed up as um, Sleeping Beauty, I think, and she was walking around the park the whole day in that outfit. I thought it was kind of funny. But um, I did put one of me in Cinderella because I didn't like me with me in Cinderella. So. Um, this is just a picture of, I chose this to represent happiness, and I feel like that it, it's known as the happiest place on earth, and I really think that because you can go there and not have to worry about anything, just have fun with your family and remember what it's like to be a kid and just, you know, not worry about life seriousness all the time. Um, this is represent magic. There's a lot of magic that happens in Disney, and I really appreciate a lot of things that he did, giving us so many different things to watch and just believe and things like that. So, um, I love Disneyland. I they go there. It's a good place to make memories. And this list is forever excited. I don't know where they went, but that's a picture of me and my grandpa when I was like five. And we went, that was the first time I went. But I don't know where the links are. So, there you go.
Disney's connected to Disneyland, and then there's hotels. There's so the one I said that was the Disneyland Hotel, which is like the first one, and then there's um, Pier something. I forget that one, and then the one that just opened was the like, um, California one, California or something like that, and it had um, it's like right there, and you just take trolleys into the park, and you get like five day passes, and they like scan them every time you oh, go in. Yeah, well, if you're staying there for like a week or whatever, because you can't see it all in one day. No, day there. I wasn't there on opening day because I wasn't that crazy. We were there two months later. What's your name? Dorsey. Sorry. Um, we were there two months later, but this is, I like this one because it showed you just how long it was to get inside the park, and I can't believe people were there the first day. Um, I wanted to show you this picture because it shows you the snow on the top. You know, this is Florida. It's, you know, almost 100 degrees outside, but it was cool because it looked like there's snow. It didn't make you feel cooler, but it was <laughs> it was neat, but the whole point of the Harry Potter, you know, Wizarding World was to make you feel like you were part of this little um, English little town, and you can walk around in there and look at different places. I like that snowman the most, because I couldn't believe it in the middle of this heat, and everyone's wearing tank top, there's a snowman with the owl on it. So I thought that was pretty cool, and they dressed him up in the same, um, you know, same outfit that Harry Potter would wear. This is very cool, because it's very interactive. Um, this is one of the characters of the book and also in the movie, and it changed pictures, you know, Sirius Black, and then it was different people who was wanted, and um, you, hear, you heard them going, no, no, and it was very interactive. So I thought that was very cool that it wasn't just a plain-looking picture. This is Honeyduke. Honeyduke, you can get anything you can think of. They, they had chocolate frogs. And it was very cool. We didn't get the chocolate frog because it was like this big. I thought it was way too big. And it was in Florida, so it was going to melt. Um, so any kind of chocolate, any kind of things to think of, they had. This is my, the kids' favorite. This is ever-flavored jelly beans. <laughs> Their favorite was earwax, um, rotten eggs, pickled onions. It was so disgusting. And they never told me which, which one they gave me. So I'm here eating it going, oh, this is disgusting. 
So this is Ollivander's. This is my son's Christian's favorite because you go in there and the wand is supposed to pick you. But we don't want to stay in line for two hours for the wand to pick you. So what they do is they ask you what your birthday is. And then it depends on when your birthday is what wand you get. So my son Christian got the wand with Harry Potter's wand. So he was excited and we bought one. This is the owl post. Owls are very um, a big part of the Harry Potter movie in the book. And they deliver the messages. If you go to the owl post, you can go in there and um, mail a letter to anyone you want to or a postcard as well. So that was a neat experience. This is my family. Um, right there is the Hogwarts Express. That's how you get inside uh, the actual school. And um, that was the conductor for the day. So they were very proud to go hang out with him and take a picture with him. I hope it changes. There it goes. Okay, this is the three broomsticks. What I like about it is three brooms right there, one, two, and three. And it looks like it's actually tilted, and it actually is tilted a little bit. And that is actually part of the movie as well. And you can go in there and get the butter beer, get the authentic food they ate during the movie and during the book as well. This is the butter beer. There's the receipt attached to them. I don't know why. <laughs> But it was cool because the foam, it started out like this big, and as I purchased it and walked to the table, it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the time my son Daniel got it, it was overflowing, and he just stuck his head in there and just said, I'm drinking it. <laughs> so he loved it. Um, this is the very first view whenever you walk up there. There's actually right inside the school, and this is the line. See all this line back here to get inside of it? So it was a long line, and I hated the ride, but we waited in line. And there's another ride right next to it, and that is, which ride is, oh, that's the flight of the hippogriff over there. But this is the actual ride. It's called Forbidden Journey. And this was the second section. To the left is actually more people waiting in line, and it was a very long line. But they had very things that are interactive, so it wasn't just waiting in line, but you could look at different things. Like some of the plants looked like it was talking to you. What was neat is it actually looked like there was candles that were floating from the air. And that was the coolest part because I, I still don't know how they did that. But it was such a neat experience to walk through it and wait to go through a, you know, a, a ride and get to look at all these cool different things. Um, in the movie, the actual pictures talk to each other. And this was doing, before you got to the ride, this is there as well. And the pictures were talking. They're making comments about us. They were like, oh, look at those muggles and things like that. It was so cool. And I was like, hey, they're talking about us. How did they see us? So I thought that was pretty cool. This was the actual ride to get in. It's 4D, and it's not a roller coaster ride. You don't go up and down, but it just moves you around. But I hated it because it made you feel very sick to your stomach because you're, it just swings you around left and right. It, it, oh, yeah. After all those jelly beans, no, they did not work with me. <laughs> okay. This was a dueling dragon. Um, there's actually there's a red one and a blue one, and you get to decide which one you go on, and it goes upside down really fast and, you know, intertwined with each other. So it was really neat. It went really fast. So I appreciated that it went fast so it didn't take long, but I didn't appreciate that we went upside down. <laughs> so um, this is, like, one of the only pictures I got off the Internet. But, yeah, I had my eyes closed the whole time, and my nine-year-old son was like, let's do it again. And I was like, no. <laughs> Couldn't pay me enough. Let's go back to the little kids' ride. But it was a lot of fun, um, just the different rides they had. 
This was my five-year-old's favorite. This was the flatted hippogriff. Um, very tamed. I enjoyed that about it. <laughs> but it was a little small version of a little roller coaster. And um, then they actually had little um, areas you could look at as well. So it was really neat. It was very, um, like I said, it was very tame, so I liked that about it. And these are the boys. And that's the whole reason we went to the park, the whole reason we spent all this money and <laughs> waiting in line for a long time was because of them, because they enjoyed it. And our um, oldest one, Christian, we told him every time you read the book, one of the Harry Potter books, you could watch the movie. So um, as a reward for reading the books, we went to the park. you'll be able to do that successfully. So on our handout for today, and yes, last Wednesday, I guess, we've got a link that says GeoApps. And this GeoApp page has got the link to the Pi video that we saw, and it's got some things um, about, uh, about Google Docs. This is a Google presentation, which is so cool because I don't have to load PowerPoint. It just plays through the web. Um, I'm not going to take 15 minutes to share this presentation. But geography education is so important. That was one of my majors in college. I majored in political science and geography. Lots of people think geography is just place location. Oh, what's the capital of Texas? No, that is just memorization. Geography is about understanding things in context. Why is it that the culture is this way? Why is it that you know, things developed in this way because of um, all kinds of factors. It's not just about memorizing places and, and locations. So um, Google has provided us with some phenomenal tools 
to help us not only see geography, but interact with it and do it in a hands-on way, in a meaningful way that can really increase understanding and benefit us because we're doing stuff with the geography, not just, you know, watching a video. And so the difference to know between Google Maps and Google Earth, your assignment that will be due in two weeks is a Google Map assignment, and it is browser-based. So that means you don't have to download Google Earth or come do it on a computer with Google Earth. You just do it through your web browser. Last class, I showed you Google Earth, and it is amazing with the 3D buildings and the layers. There's virtual flights. You can fly through stuff, all kinds of things. But you can really do a lot with Google Maps, and you can do things collaboratively, which is what we're going to do. I would recommend probably Firefox for Google Maps. You can try it in, in Internet Explorer, but it's probably going to do better there. Also, Google Chrome is Google's browser, and it works really well there, too. Google Earth is where you create the KMZ files, and we're not going to make those. We're just going to make maps inside Google Maps. I showed you the Google Lit Trip of um, Make Way for Ducklings, which Rachel knows because we've read that one before for bedtime, which is about Boston. You can check out those other ones as well. I've got that linked. This is just an example of a project they did about the Olympic Games when they were in Beijing and all the different place marks and the ways that you can have pictures and text that are embedded. Here was a project they did about where do your tomatoes come from. And so they were mapping the journey of the food that went from the farm to where the, the kids lived. Um, they have a suggested activity. We're not going to do this one, um, but you are placing this information on the location that you're going to be talking about. And um, adding a place mark is what we're about to do. So I'm going to take you into Google Maps right now. I'm going to create a map, and I'm going to share the link, and we're all going to put um, a place that we'd like to travel, and we'll probably all want to put Harry Potter, you know, castle. Oh, somebody does that. Just we'll, we'll do some different things. But basically, at the top of Google Maps, it's got that blue sort of upside-down water droplet thing, and that is the place mark, which is what you put to, you know, like a tack. It's like you're putting a tack on the map, and then you attach other things to that um, place mark. You've got the ability to zoom in and out, and then the circle there is what you do to navigate left and right. You also will click on the hand instead of the place mark when you want to move the map, and then you can turn layers on and off as well. Um, once you click on a place mark, you get a pop-up, and you're able to put a title in here. Notice that there's three different options for entering stuff, plain text, rich text, or edit HTML. We'll probably just say rich text, and I think I said there on your assignment, we'll look at this, but that you need to include at least maybe three links to Wikipedia articles for that place, and you'll do that with the link tool that's right there. It looks like a chain, same kind of thing we've been doing on our blogs. So there's a tutorial video that you can watch if you want to on your own time. And this is just a, a closing quotation from Barbara Stocking. If people really have no understanding of people in place, no way to read the world, then we are really lost. And that's our job as teachers is to help kids connect with the world of learning and not just understanding facts and figures, but understanding our place in the world. And so these tools can be really good for doing that. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to log into Google Maps to my account. I'm going to create a collaborative map and share it with you by putting a link on our page, and then all of us are going to be able to edit it here in the next five minutes before we, we leave. So I have logged into my Google account already, and um, in order to do this, this is a good point, I don't know if you're going to have to have a Google account or not. You may have to um, have one. So if everybody doesn't get something added at this moment on this map, it'll, it'll be okay. But I think that you're going to need to log in um, to Google Maps. So you might go ahead and do that on, on your computer. I'm going to click the button here that says My Maps. 
And these are all maps that I've created. Sometimes we've taken a trip. Like my son and I went to Washington, D.C. in 2009, and we had some friends to visit. I don't know the D.C. area, so I just made a little map. And it showed, here's where he was at the 4-H Center, where his uh, summer camp was. Here's where I was for my conference. There's where our friends were. And we could click on these things over here on the side, and it would show those addresses and those locations. And these things were not just available... By the way, if you go to D.C., definitely eat at the Zed's Ethiopian restaurant. <laughs> Rachel, do you recommend Zed's? It's okay. Yeah, you have to eat with your hands. So, anyway, it's, it's good. It's in uh, Georgetown. But these are all maps that you can make, and they're not just accessible here. They're accessible on a mobile device, too, like a smartphone. So, I'm going to choose Create a New Map, and I get to put in a uh, title and description. So, I'm going to say, Places CIC Students Want to Go. Um, and I'll just say, these are places we want to visit. And I have a choice of either making it public or unlisted. Okay? If it's unlisted, then it's not going to be, be uh, browsable. People are going to have to get the link in order to go to it. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, click the button that says Collaborate. Now, if I would want to just invite specific people to this map, I could get your email address, put it in here, but that would be rather time-consuming. So what I'm going to do now is check this box that says allow anyone to edit the map. You will not have to do this on yours. You're going to create your own map for your assignment. But in this case, I want to let everybody in our class put something on our map without having to get your email address. So that's why I selected that option. Um, as you might guess, that can cause issues when you have a map open. Um, but I think that you have to be logged in. So you'll at least know what Google account, you know, if somebody would put something on your map. It's not appropriate. You would know who that person is. Usually, if you're doing this um, with collaboration with students, you would have their email addresses and, and you would exchange those and invite them that way. All right. So I have said collaborate. Everyone can uh, edit it. That's great. Um, if I wanted to, I can send an invitation there. Um, I, I also have an import button here, which I haven't even really used. I'm not sure. I'm, um, this will let me import a KML file or KMZ file. So just like we saw on the Google Lit Trips for the Boston adventure of McCluskey's Make Way for Ducklings, we could import that file, and it would actually put all those places on our map. And then we could move them around or change them and say, oh, we don't have a different picture for the you know, swan boat, and we could delete that and put it on. Fancy your choices. I'm going to click Done. And now, this is probably the number one thing that people will mess up on this assignment is getting the link to this map, okay? When I click on this map, um, I guess first I probably ought to put a, a place on it. Um, I'm going to put Queensland, New Zealand. And, oh, in Queenstown, New Zealand, yeah, that is what I wanted, which is kind of like Jackson Hole, but it is just, it is just gorgeous. It's down in southern New Zealand. Um, okay, so here's Queenstown, New Zealand. Once I've found the location and I click on it, it has a choice that lets me save it to a map, and I'm going to be able to save it onto this map that I've just created. That is one way to save a place mark. 
The other way to save a place mark is when you are on your map and you edit your map, you see how I have a place mark tool right here? This is the hand, so I can move stuff around and I can zoom out and go other places. I would recommend that you probably search for the place that you want to find and add the place mark that way. But you can also come in here with the place mark tool and put this place mark where you want to go. Okay? And you can zoom in and, and then you can come in and edit the place mark that goes with this place. Um, I've got to share this link and this is the thing that people are probably going to mess up. I don't want to copy that address because that is just the address to Google Maps. The link for this, and I will um, put some tutorials on our page too to help you with this. Here's where the link is. It's on the right side underneath where it says sign out. And that is the link that you are going to share. So what I'll do here on our GeoMaps page, or actually I'll do it here on our assignment page, and we won't have time for everybody to do this in class. Um, I will add this here to our assignment for tomorrow, for uh, Wednesday. Add a place to our shared map, and what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to link to this shared map and add a location of your choice that will go in here. And I've already got Queenstown, New Zealand. Um, when you click on our map, it'll go and you'll see the two places that, I, that I've added and you'll be able to click on those and see who added the map. All right. So last thing to mention is you've got your Google Map assignment that's here uh, for next time. I would like, well, it's actually due in two weeks. We'll talk about this um, more next week when we have a little bit more time. But if you want to go ahead and get started on it, I want you to um, add at least ten place marks, include um, text and hyperlinks, and at least three of your links need to go to Wikipedia. We're done. Have a great time. Remember, we won't be in class on Wednesday. I will see you in a week on Monday.